Amen. Thank you, Miss T. That was a blessing. Proverbs chapter 18 tonight. We're in verse number 10. Proverbs chapter 18, verse number 10. And uh, I was talking to the Lord uh, this morning. He told me that the rapture is not going to take place before we finish. Proverbs. Uh, no, he didn't tell me that. But anyway, uh, we're in uh, Proverbs 18, verse number 10 and going week by week. And we didn't do it all the way in the beginning. I don't know why I didn't think of it sooner, but uh, on the... Uh, on the live stream that we, we keep those, they're still available on YouTube, uh, but we started putting the scriptures on there too, so if you have get stumped on a verse reading the book of Proverbs, you can go back and look it up, and the references are there week by week, and so you'll know exactly where to look, and and uh, so anyway, hopefully, hopefully that'll be a help to you, and maybe we can eventually go back, there's a job for somebody, uh, anyway, uh, uh, but that would be uh, perhaps... Uh, a resource for you uh, down the road. Proverbs chapter 18. Thank you, church, for your faithfulness uh, on Wednesday night. I appreciate it so much. Let's pray and ask the Lord's help. Father, we love you. Thank you for the Bible. Thank you for practical truth. Thank you for this book of wisdom that helps us and guides our behavior, our actions, uh, helps us with our decisions. And once more, Lord, I pray that you will help us to take this wisdom into our heart and uh, we make application in our lives. We need you. Lord, you be the teacher now. I'll be your mouthpiece. And you just guide me and help me, Lord. I can't do this without you, for sure. And these that hear, we, both the speaker and the hearers, we need your Holy Spirit's help. In Christ's name, amen. Proverbs chapter 18, and verse number 10 and 11, we'll combine those together. The Bible says, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. Now, when you talk about a person's name, the Bible says a good name is rather to be chosen than silver and gold and so forth. It's talking about a person's character, who God is, the name of the Lord. Yeah. And uh, and uh, the Lord, that's all caps. What does that tell you about Lord, all caps? Somebody tell me what that means. Uh, that's Jehovah, who said that? All right, Jehovah. And uh, five points. Uh, uh, yes, L-O-R-D, that's Jehovah God. And, uh, and so uh, you'll find throughout the Bible, uh, uh, the Lord, uh, our strength, the Lord, our peace, so forth. And uh, But his name, the name of the Lord, that's who he is. That's his character. And the Bible says it is a strong tower. It is a strong tower. Now, a tower speaks of protection, right? A tower speaks of protection. The righteous runneth into it and is safe. Amen. So here, the name of the Lord is likened to a tower. And the Bible says the righteous run into the tower and are safe. Now the name of the Lord represents his what? Oh boy, we better review that. The name of the Lord means his character. What does it mean? His character. That's who God is. Somebody tell me something about God's character. God is what? God is love. God is holy. God is merciful. God is Faithful, God is compassionate. You get the idea. Okay, so when we it talks about running to this tower, is is running to a place where we are encompassed with, surrounded by, shielded by the character of God, who God is. Amen. I hide myself in Him. Amen. And so, uh, uh, then verse eleven is a contrast to verse number. 10, the rich man's wealth is his strong city. And as an high wall in his own conceit. 
Let me give you a statement here for these two verses. Safety and security are found in God alone. Safety and security are found in God alone. Now, those are not the same things. Safety is I am safe. Security is I feel safe. How many of you understand the difference between I am safe and I feel safe, right? Man, there's a lot of money being made for little cameras that go on your doorbell and locks and safes and all these things that we try to do. Now, what are we buying? We're buying security or trying to buy security. But how many of you understand? I was talking to a man uh, a couple weeks ago, and he's telling me, yeah, he said, my buddy, I forgot what it was. I'm, I'm going to say a number. It's not exactly right. It might be right on the money, but it was very close to this. Lost $60,000 in cash. He had a safe in his house. His house caught fire, and it got into the safe somehow, and $60,000 in cash was burned up. Now, he had security, but he didn't have safety, <laughs> Right? And so the Lord is the only one that can provide by the, another man who put some ill-gotten money under his house and thought he got by with it until the rats and the, and the moisture got to it. Uh, in 1929, the Great Depression started when the New York Stock Exchange stocks lost 50% of their value in 10 weeks and people's livelihoods and people's lives were... Uh, pulled out from under them in a matter of weeks. And uh, some of you were born uh, in the after, effect, after effects and aftermath, not too long after the Great Depression. Sixty years before that, on September 24, 1869, it was called Black Friday. A handful of men cornered the gold market with a $10,000 bribed a U.S. official. $10,000, his salary was $8,000 a year at the time. And they gave him a $10,000 bribe so he could tell them when the government was going to sell gold. And by that, they were able to scarf up the gold and get a corner on the gold market. People literally went to the top of buildings and jumped off. They lost everything. Committed suicide over, over Black Friday. Now, you know what? You, you might have your money in Fort Knox. Uh, you might have your money in the finest safe. You might have uh, everything you need for, uh, for, for your future, like the rich man, you know, that laid down in his bed one day. He said, man, I got so, many, I got so much in my harvest, I don't know where to put it all. He said, I'm going to get it tomorrow morning. I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to tear down my barns and build some bigger ones. Then I'll be all set. But he didn't live through the night, did he? So safety and security, dear friends. I'm not saying we shouldn't be wise. I'm not saying we shouldn't save. I'm not saying don't use banks. I'm just saying safety and security comes from God. Amen. Not a bank. Amen. Not a portfolio. I'm not against those things. But I'm saying that we better, listen, we better realize that God is the one that keeps us safe and secure. Psalm 118.8 says it's better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. The best of men are just men. That's all they are. And the name of the Lord, again, talks about God's character. Your sense of security. Listen, you can fret yourself death over your future, but what you better do, just get close to the Lord. Amen. Walk with God. Amen. Be in God's will. God can take care of your future. Um, uh, his name, his character. Only God is immutable, never changes. The markets, the uh, inflation, uh, the economy, 
Everything about life is changing all the time. The only unchangeables in life is this book and the God of heaven. Amen. And so, uh, uh, so don't find your safety and security in things that change. No man is immutable. He's the same. The Lord is the same yesterday, today, and forever. No man is omniscient. No man is omniscient. We have a good friend that uh, for years, I've told you a story, but he's given to this ministry over the years. Since my wife uh, was, we were young married, and she worked at a, uh, she did data entry, and, uh, and the gentleman she worked for, uh, an office, I don't know, 15 or 20 folks in the office, I guess. But anyway, the man she worked for uh, studies the market and so forth. He's written books, and he publishes all these years. He's published uh, and give uh, advice along those lines and published a newsletter along those lines. And uh, anyway, uh, she didn't know it, but he watched her those months that she worked there. And, uh, and uh, when she graduated, uh, we were getting ready to come here. He said, can you come in my office? And walked in the office. He had a Bible on his desk. He said, I've watched you over these months that you worked there. I appreciate your testimony. He said, I'd like to do something for you. Your husband, I understand you're going into the ministry. And, you know, he's given every single year over the years. He's given quite a bit over the years. And so now I, and, and he showed me, he said, Pastor, if you ever need any kind of advice like that, he said, let me know. I'm, I'm happy, happy to help you. Now, he's a good friend to have. I haven't needed a lot of advice in that because I haven't had a lot to, advise, to get advice over. <laughs> but... But it's good to have a friend like that. Amen? But can, can I tell you something? God knows everything. That's why he woke Charlie Vest up on September the 10th, 2001. Charlie Vest has given the last 30 years of his life to missions. Uh, 20-some years of his life to missions. And uh, Charlie Vest, uh, Lord, Lord uh, poked him on the shoulder and said, uh, Charlie, go get your money out. Get all your investments out. He was a Kmart executive for Kmart. He was very successful. He was a deacon of Baptist Church. And anyway, he's just a great testimony, great family. Uh, and his children are going on to serve the Lord. And he said, what, Lord? He said, the Lord said, go get all your money out. Get everything, get all your stuff, everything. Get all of your investments out. He said, do it today. The Lord said, do it today. He said, what? It makes no sense. The Lord said, do it today. He did it. That was September the 10th, 2001. And I think you probably remember what happened on September 11th and what happened to the market because of it. And uh, Brother Charlie Vest put that money back, and that's what he used to, to go to the mission field. And what a fruitful mini- ministry they've had. And uh, God knows everything. God knows everything. I, I was reading a little bit of uh, Samuel Rutherford. was uh, born in 1600. He was a Scottish minister. And uh, he, his letters were preserved. Samuel Rutherford's letters, powerful writings. And I was reading a little sweet little story. And uh, God put it on his heart to visit a friend in a neighboring town. And while he's visiting this friend in a neighboring town, a mutual friend of both knocked on the door. <laughs> and, um, and, uh, and, 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 and they opened the door, and they, everybody was surprised to see one another. And the man said, my goodness, both of my friends are here. They came in. He said, i got to tell you something. He said, I was on my way back to Ireland, and he said, I, I wanted to visit both of you, but I, I, I knew I couldn't visit both of you. And I said, well, Lord, which way do you want me to go? And he said, I took the reins of the horse. I just laid it on the horse's neck. And he said, the horse went that way. Amen. And he got to the house and there both of his friends were. You say, you think that was God? Absolutely I do. Amen. God knows everything. Amen. 
God knows everything. Find your, find your security in him. He's omnipresent. The Bible calls him a very present help in trouble. In other words, he's there when you need him. 57 times you'll find the name God Almighty or Almighty God. He is all-powerful. Amen? It's better to trust in the Lord than to trust in men, to trust in princes, which is political leadership, or to trust in thine own understanding, Proverbs 3, 5, human reasoning. It's better to trust the Lord than military might. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. Amen? So find your safety and security in him. Verse number 12. The Bible said, before destruction, the heart of man is haughty. That word haughty means arrogant. Uh, we, we might say cocky. Uh, that's the kind of person who looks down his nose on others. Before destruction, the heart of man is haughty. And before honor is humility. Before honor is humility. Uh, here's a very simple statement for this verse. Pride never ends well. <laughs> Pride never ends well. Uh, we watched uh, the Tar Heels play the other night. And uh, some of you might have seen the game. And uh, they, the bench was in. Most of the bench was in because they were ahead 30 or 40 points or something. I think they won the game, but 40 points or more. And they had over 100 on the game. And near the end of the game, one of the guys off the bench came, and, and he was being haughty. <laughs> and, uh, and, and the... It was, it, was, it was time for the other team to inbounds the ball. How many of you saw what I'm describing right now? Anybody see what I'm describing? Some of you. And, he, and, he, and he like stuffed it in the, guy's, in the guy's chest. And the ref said, hey. Told him, said, knock that off. And about five or ten seconds later, they called him for a technical foul. But it was just like, that, what? you know, why? Everybody ought to want to do their best. But especially if you're up 40 points over your opponent, you know, you, you don't need to behave that way. Right? And uh, the only thing I was disappointed about that game is that they, that coach didn't bench that guy. But anyway, I, I, I think he should have been benched. If you happen to talk to coach, you can let him know I said so. But anyway, uh, but, but pride never ends well. Pride never ends well. Humility is not thinking of self. Sometimes we think of humility as, you know, oh, woe is me. No, humility is not thinking of self. Listen to this statement. It's a little complicated. Listen carefully. I have it written out here. Humility is not thinking of self, not because you have determined or intentionally refuse self. Humility is not, I'm not going to think about myself. I'm not going to think about myself. No. Humility is not thinking of self, not because you've determined to or intentionally refuse to think about self, but because your mental and physical energies are given to others. And all you get is the leftovers. <laughs> Humility isn't thinking a certain way about yourself. It's like, if you might say, it's overlooking yourself. Not intentionally overlooking yourself. It's just that you're so burdened and concerned for others that you're not, well, I, I didn't get a piece and I didn't get picked and I didn't get to, all that goes away. When your mind and heart is focused on others. That's the opposite of pride. When we seek to exalt ourselves, we are headed for a fall. That's what this verse says. If we seek to exalt Christ and then to exalt others, the Bible said God will honor that. The last phrase, and before honor is humility. God honors humility. 
Let me ask a question. Have you bragged on the Lord today? Have you? Have you bragged on someone else today? When our minds and our hearts are focused on other people, we, we then forget ourselves and God blesses that. Look at verse number 13. And uh, we're going to tie verse 17 in with this because these are two very closely related verses. And so I'll read both of them uh, to start here. Verse 13 says, He that answereth a matter before he heareth it, it is folly and shame unto him. He that answereth a matter before he heareth it, it is folly and shame unto him. Look at verse 17 now. The Bible said, He that is first in his own cause seemeth just, but his neighbor cometh and searcheth him. Now, both of these verses have to do with the subject of justice. We've talked a lot about justice in these lessons. And so, for example, in verse 13, you see the word answereth. He that answereth a matter. So what does it mean? In other words, uh, somebody's making a decision about something. Somebody heard something, and they, in the courtroom of their own mind, have come up with a verdict, and they give an answer. So it's a matter, it's a judgment matter, is what's being referenced. And the same thing in verse 17, he that is first in his own cause seemeth just. There's again the word justice and uh, let, let me give you a statement for each of these. Uh, verse number 13. Do not rush to judgment. Do not rush to judgment. In the last couple of years, cities in America have been burned to the ground just about because of uh, news media outlets who could care less for the truth, who want to promote uh, 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 their own ideals and facts are irrelevant. Yes, sir. How do you know a person is guilty? You know, once upon a time anyway in this country, you were innocent until proven guilty. And that's still true as long as you march in lockstep with the globalist mindset. But if you happen to love your nation or love the Lord Jesus Christ, then you're automatically guilty. Now, that's the way it's become in our nation. Don't rush to judgment. Here's what the Bible says. Listen to both sides of a matter. He that answereth a matter before he heareth it, it is folly and shame. So listen to both sides. If you don't know, okay. But, but rush to judgment. No. Wait. You don't... Again, we've said this a few times, but you don't have to have an opinion about everything. <laughs> you, don't have to have a, you don't have to have an opinion about many things. Listen. Now, verse number 17, consider this in conjunction with it. He that is first in his own cause seemeth just. So here's a man, think about this. Here's a man coming, if you will, to his own defense. Okay, he's coming to his own defense and you listen to him and he says, you know, that, oh, yeah, well, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, really? Oh, why? My goodness. I can't believe you were treated that way. Oh. Oh. But the Bible says, uh, hold up. He's got a neighbor. <laughs> he's got a neighbor. Let's ask his neighbor. You know what God is saying? Here's what I wrote down. Write this down. Your neighbor is watching. 
Your neighbor is watching. Uh, we were talking in the office a little while ago, a couple hours ago. And uh, talking about a gentleman that I've witnessed to, others have witnessed to, and, and, and I, would, I think several of us are praying for. And, um, and he came, several of us encouraged him, invited him, and he came. And uh, after the service, he said, you know, I understand this thing. I, I, I got this. I understand this. And uh, he said, but, he said, but I got a neighbor. And he says he's a Christian. And guess what that neighbor is? A stumbling block. Now, you know what? Our neighbors know us, you know. They don't know everything about us. They know enough. <laughs> right? So here's the Bible says, here's a man who comes with his own cause. You know, you know, you can make just about any case if you don't have anybody there. You know, if you could just if you're just speaking for yourself. Uh this verse uh, pairs well again with verse number um, uh, 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 verse number 17. That seemeth just. Oh, actually, go back to, uh, you got your Bibles open? Uh, th this pairs well with verse 13. Look at your Bible real quick. He that answereth the matter before he heareth it. These three verses all have the same thing. It is folly and shame unto him. There, verse 13. He that answereth the matter before he heareth it. So, um, he, he, here's a man. He presents his cause, and the Bible says that it seemeth just. In other words, that seems fair. That seems right. Or, that seems like you were done wrong, whatever the case may be. The best way, listen carefully, this is practical advice. The best way to get a true picture on any matter of judgment where you have to make a decision. First of all, let's remember all the things we've already talked about justice. If it's not in your wheelhouse, forget it. You don't need an opinion. And you don't need to listen to it. Amen? If it's somebody else's kids, it's, you don't need to hear that. Have you got enough to take care of with your own kids? Have you got trouble at your house? No, I'm just kidding. Uh, uh, we don't need everybody else's problems, right? And by the way, if that's what social media has become to you, get off of that garbage for crying out loud. Why do you need to know how everybody's backsliding? Good night. Anyway, okay. So, but if it is in your wheelhouse, and it is your responsibility, and it is a matter you have to address, the best way to get a true picture is to speak to both parties and, if at all possible, face-to-face. -face. Look, people, you can say anything when you're hidden behind a screen. You get those same two people in the rooms, oh no, I, I didn't mean that. You're so bold when you're a million miles away behind a screen. And by the way, if you would not say it in someone's presence, then what are you saying it for, period? Amen? So, speak to both parties, and face to face. You know, if, if most, <laughs> it's human nature, friends, but most of us, if we can make our own defense and it's just us giving our case, we have a way of technically telling the truth that makes us look the best. Is that right? Is that not right? Is that not human nature? Yes or no? It is human nature. But the neighbor, the neighbor will rat you out in a second. Amen. So call that neighbor in. Uh, 
you know, people, you know, you know, listen, here, one of the dumb, listen, one of the dumbest things we ever do, people leave a good church because of something they heard. Families affected, children affected, because you heard something. First of all, if it's not in your wheelhouse for crying out loud, do you really want to stick your hands down in that mess? And if you really care about somebody and, and somebody comes with some garbage about somebody, why don't you just say, you know, why, why don't you go talk to so-and-so? Why don't you talk to pastor? Why don't you talk to the person that that involves? I don't really need to know about that. Amen? I don't need to know about that. Now, people, absolutely, because of something they've heard, will make a bad decision. The accused is not present in this verse. The evidence is presented in anonymity. The gossip is whispered, and we think we're making a good judgment call because someone confided in us. No, the Bible says, what's those two words? Verse number 13, look at it. He that answereth the matter before he heareth it is what? Folly and shame. Let me help you now, let me help you. Well, somebody confided in me because they needed somebody they could trust. So they, they, they confided in me. Why don't you call the accused in? Well, no, I don't make a stink. But somebody needs to care. Somebody needs to pray with them. Somebody needs to... You know what you are? You know what the Bible says to you? Shame on you, foolish one. Those are not my words. That's God's words. Folly and shame on you. That you would whisper about a brother or sister in Christ and form opinions and you don't even know what you're talking about. Amen. This is so good. I wish I was down there. I'd be saying amen. Verse number 14. The spirit of a man will sustain his infirmity, but a wounded spirit who can bear? The spirit of a man will sustain his infirmity, but a wounded spirit who can bear? We'll just say this. Keep a healthy spirit. Keep a healthy spirit. Keep a sweet spirit. Keep a sweet spirit. You know, I've read lots and lots of biographies. I love biographies. And I've read many a great man in, in their biographies. You know what? These men, they had, they had a good spirit. They, they, they had, they, they, you, you, couldn't, you, couldn't, you couldn't puncture them, you know, puncture their spirit and they just deflate. And, and, and keep, keep a healthy spirit. I, I, uh, <laughs> um, I was thinking about this uh, little story Brother Hiles told about his uncle Harvey. He had a very wealthy uncle. And uh, back in the 1950s, Baylor University was already selling booze on campus. Uh, they had, uh, they had uh, bodily resurrection deniers on the Bible faculty. It was already rife with uh, theological liberal, liberalism, and that was in the 50s. And so, but Dr. House had a wealthy uncle, Harvey, his mother's brother, and he, of course, his dad left him when he was a little boy, five years old, walked out on him, and they lived in poverty. And uh, his uncle uh, said, son, you know, loved his nephew. He said, son, you go to this university, and, uh, you know, I'll finance everything and so forth. And, and, uh, and uh, but he said, I can't do that. I, he spent a year in one of them, and he said, I can't do it. <laughs> he said, I believe the Bible. And, uh, but he loved his uncle, and uh, his uncle in his latter years got um, uh, sugar diabetes, and they had to amputate a portion of his leg just below his knee. They had to amputate a leg. 
and his uncle Harvey, uh, uh, the, he was there with uh, the, the other children, which would have been his cousins, of course. They were there for the surgery. And then, uh, and then uh, they, they left to get something to eat or something, and he was there by himself with his uncle in the, in the hospital room. And his uncle opened his eyes and turned over, and he said, uh, he said, Jack, I, I learned something in this surgery time. Just as serious as he could be. So I learned something in this surgery time. And he's listening. He said, oh, man, this is going to be deep. What is this? He said, I have discovered the greatest cure for an ingrown toenail. And uh, now, he said, that's morbid. Uh, you, know, you know what? Keep your spirit healthy. Amen. Everybody in the world has something to be depressed about. Right? I love that little story where... Dr. Hiles and Dr. Rice had come out. They had come out of a restaurant, and they were going to get their Bibles to head to a meeting. And a man walked up and took a gun and put it in Dr. Rice's stomach. And Dr. Rice had a pretty good-sized stomach. <laughs> put it in his stomach. He said, I'm going to blow your brains out. <laughs> and that's where Brother Hiles started. He started laughing. And he and Dr. Rice are chuckling. Well, this man's got literally got a gun to his stomach. He said, I'm going to blow your brains out. And Hiles said, he said, Dr. Rice, if your brains were in your stomach, you're the next Einstein. (laughs) And then Dr. Rice took his glasses and said, Son, you're not going to scare me with heaven. What you call that? You call that a healthy spirit, amen? A healthy spirit. How about Job? All of his business dealings, his wife says, Curse God and die. No, this is before his wife cursed him. This, ten children killed, lost all of his business dealings. And what does he say? What's his first recorded response in the scripture? The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Finish it. Blessed be the name of the Lord. What a great spirit. Joseph, after all he went through, what did he say? As for you, you meant it for evil. But God meant it for good to save much people alive. What did Nehemiah say? The joy of the Lord is your strength. And I'm going to give you two words. You want to keep your spirit healthy? Two words. Gratitude, praise. There you go. You want to keep your spirit healthy? Gratitude and praise. Brother Roll kept a sign on his desk said, praise God anyhow. Amen. That man went through the fire. Praise God anyhow. Say it out loud. Praise God anyhow. It's not good English, but it's a good saying. One more time. Praise God anyhow. Amen. Keep your spirit healthy. Keep your spirit healthy. David said it this way. I had fainted. I would have given up. I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. So how do you keep your spirit healthy? Gratitude. I'm going to say God has been good to me. Amen? Amen. And praise. You tell him so. And you, you want to know how to kill your spirit? How to break your spirit? We studied this already. Proverbs 15, 13. One thing. Break your spirit. Proverbs 15, 13. By sorrow of the heart, the spirit is broken. You know how to break your spirit? You know how to spoil your attitude? Feel sorry for yourself. That's all it takes. You can be on top. It is sad. You ever, you ever get convicted in the middle of a day or something? God's been so good to you, and, 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 and you get out of sorts, and you thought, that, why did that get me out of sorts? For crying out loud. <laughs> for crying out loud. Why? Anybody ever feel that way? Yeah. 
Verse number 15 pairs with a couple other verses, and we'll stop with this one here. The Bible says, The heart of the prudent getteth knowledge, and the ear of the wise seeketh knowledge. This is, is, is real close to verse 13 and verse 17 also. Uh, but the word prudent there means cautious, of course. We've studied that word numbers of times already. The heart of the prudent, the, c- the careful one, the cautious one, getteth knowledge. Okay, so here's a situation. Uh, this prudent man is facing a situation. Maybe it's a decision, and he's going to be careful about his decision. So what does he do before he makes his decision? He gets knowledge, and he gets the facts. He gets all the facts, in other words. And the ear of the wise seeketh knowledge. So wise people have their ears tuned to learn and listen. And people that are prudent, they want to make good decisions, so they're cautious, make sure. It's very simple. Get the whole story. Get the whole story. <laughs> Get the whole story. These all kind of go together tonight, don't they? Uh, and that, that's true with the things we've been talking about. You know, here's a story about somebody. But that's true when you, uh, you know, when you're making a deal. You know, get the whole story. Uh, read the fine print. <laughs> There's a lot of fine print anymore, isn't there? Scroll. <laughs> Click. <laughs> uh, uh, get the whole story. Um, Jehoshaphat said this. Um, Is there not here a prophet of the Lord besides that we may inquire of him? Is there not here a prophet of the Lord besides that we may acquire? Remember those 400 prophets? And they have brought them all up there. And they said, go on up against uh, Ramoth Gilead. And God's going to give you the victory. And Jehoshaphat went through that whole Bible conference. Listened to all those prophets. And then he leaned over to Ahab. He said, "Uh, like, don't you have one prophet of Jehovah around anywhere? Yeah, I got one. But he's so negative. He said, you reckon we can hear what he has to say? Remember that? Joshua had some prudence. And um, let me say this. A prudence wants the whole story. Young people, there's going to be decisions that come into your life. All right, let me give you a scenario. And we'll, we'll stop here. You're going to want to buy a car. Oh, it's a nice car. And it's a good deal. The guy said it's worth this. He's going to sell it to me for this. Okay, I'm, I think I need this car. Okay, here's what you need to do. You need to take it to a mechanic. But they said they already checked it out. It's got a sticker that says guaranteed. <laughs> Guess what you need to do? Take it to a mechanic. Amen? Uh, here's an opportunity. Uh, this guy's offering me a job. I'm going to be making $782 an hour. <laughs> You're going to apply for the job. It just sounds so great, doesn't it? Uh, why don't you call somebody who works there? Why don't you call somebody who works there? Prudence proceeds. Now, now prudence means you're, it's not dragging your feet, but it means you get all the facts, you get the information before you make that decision. Amen? And we're coming up on one next week about getting a wife. But here's what you better do. You better not put blinders on your eyes when you start relationships. Don't you, listen, don't you let desire or greed 
blind you, you want something, it's a car, it's a job, it's a boy, it's a girl, and now you can't see anything else. What you better do is what the prudent man does. You better get all the facts, and you better keep your ears open and stay open to advice. Amen. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for thy word, and thank you so much, Lord.